Welcome to Market-Proof Marketing, the podcast from the Marketing Minds at DoConvert.com, where we talk about the current state of all things digital and how they impact home builders and developers around the globe. We're not here to sell you, we're here to help you and to try and elevate the conversation. I'm Kevin Oakley, and with me today, as always, is the ad doctor, Andrew Peak. We are here, episode 182 with Jen Barkin. Woohoo! Glad to be back. I know it's yeah, been a why, while. Why did it's you? It's always been a while. She was off I, last time. I you had did. Something else going I on? I had something else going on that I could not. If you're doing college visits or um, something, I can't. Oh, remember. you were talking with the Red Door folks, maybe. Oh, uh, visit. yeah. yeah little, I was. Little I drive was down the road. Town. Yeah, I took a little drive down to the Red Door folks. That's exactly what I was doing. Uh, Paige, if you're listening. Um, Paige is the the leader extraordinaire at Red Door Homes, North Carolinas. My son Mason still thinks that I work for you. He's like, is your other boss that Paige guy? <laughs> I took my kids on on my last uh, mm. in market visit there, and they fell in love with Paige. Um, I mean, who who doesn't love Paige? Doesn't. I don't, the Red Door employee seems slightly scared of him, but my kids <laughs> love him. I don't I don't understand why. <laughs> what's going on there? Okay. Take right. a fishing. There you go. All right, let's uh, let's head into story time. And as always, ladies first, Jen, kick us off. Oh, gosh, I cannot wait to share this story because I'm just over the moon proud of my son, Sam. So for those of you that don't know, I have a senior in high school right now. He has played baseball since he was probably, I don't know, five all through, you know, school, travel ball, t-ball, all the different things, all the things, all the many hours, many hours, can relate, many hours on the, on the ball field. Well, I'd say a couple of years ago, he was, you know, thinking about college, of course, and it was pretty much told to him by coaches that his, his college athletic career probably wasn't going to happen. So Probably should just give that up, focus on studies. Sure, you can play ball, you know, in your spare time, but probably not happening for you. Well, Sam, you know, being the persistent child he has always been, salesperson in the making, let me tell you, he, um, you know, didn't settle for that. He turned it up a notch. Extra workouts, extra additional coaching, and through all of that and the recruiting process, which has been crazy, he, this past weekend, was offered to play at a college in uh, the western part of the state, Bluefield University. And nice. um, yeah, he he got I'm an clapping. offer. Awesome. Yep, he got an offer and he, he even got some scholarship money. Ooh. So yeah, we are super, super proud of him. And um you know, I know that I think I read something somewhere that's like only 3% of high school athletes get get to play in college. So wow, that's a pretty, nice. yeah, pretty exciting thing. But more importantly, for Sam, just being told that that probably wasn't an option, and then him really just working through and being persistent and not giving up on it. And it really you know, I've been thinking about this a lot because we're we're in the we're in it right now. We're going through this and talking with online sales specialists and just how, you know, it comes down to one thing for me in my mind, and that is passion. 
you know, we're, we're going through goal setting right now with our online sales specialist. And we're, we're talking about, okay, what do we need to be thinking about next year? How do we elevate our game? And, you know, uh, most builders through this last couple of years have implemented an online sales specialist and, you know, it's no longer kind of a new thing. Right. Mm -hmm. And so when you think about like, okay, how am I going to elevate my game? How am I going to stand out against the competition? It's all about passion. If you're not passionate about this role or some aspect of this role, you will continue to just be good. You will be good, right? In a good market. You will Mm -hmm. look good in a good market. So when you're thinking about elevating your game, it's got to be like, what are you passionate about? It can't just be, I'm doing the basics. And when I mean passion, I don't mean managing leads in a CRM because Andrew, I don't know about you, but like managing leads in a CRM, I don't, I don't think people get passionate about I that. Don't, I don't think so. I, but maybe, but maybe they get passionate about the, about the outcome. I'm just trying to relate okay, on the marketing but side. But exactly. Like, like, like the day to day, like the day to day thing. actually want to do it? Not just like, exactly. okay, I'll do it because I have to get the paycheck because right. I, I'm stuck now. If I've, my life is now this, I need that paycheck. I need to do this, but do you actually want to do the work? Right. Which I think is like, if you sit and think about it, like, Ooh, that's revealing. Like, do right. I? But like, like what gets you excited? Is it the conversion? Like you said, is it the outcome? Is it, is it what you're the performance, what you're producing? Or is it, um, you know, I really enjoy, home design or floor plans or, you know, looking at the, the new features in, in new homes. And if that's the case, then figure out how to leverage that within your role. Mm-hmm. For example, you're talking with somebody, you, you go deep with them about what they're looking for. You know, you can say, hey, hop on the website. Let's look at these different plans together. Let's really, you know, kind of dive in. And that is what if that's what you're passionate about, that's how you incorporate that into your current role. And so I just wanted to kind of give everybody that something to think about next year is figure out what you're passionate about and how you can really incorporate that into the day-to-day grind of, of online sales and what you're doing. Definitely. How do you set goals? That sounds like a really dumb question, but I think that's actually, it's hard to set goals. On the marketing side, it's like, how do I set goals? And you could have like personal ones like this past year and a half. I'm like, I see. And here's, this is like insight into my personality. If I see someone doing something, I'm like, oh, that kind of interests me. And I'm like, oh, maybe that could be useful. Like that's actually beneficial. Like the, all the video kind of stuff I've had interest in. I'm like, that will help me long-term because yeah. I feel like video is super important for marketers. If I can't hold a camera, if I can't edit, like how can I tell or advise other people to do the same thing if I can't do it? But at the same time, I'm like, if that dude or girl can do it, like forget them. I want to be able to do it. I'm yeah, I'm smarter than them. And these are like internal <laughs> thoughts I'm thinking, out. or like I'm just as good as them. And so I get yeah. this kind of like vengeful, like I'm gonna do it just to prove myself or whoever that I could do something that appears to be yeah. challenging. So that's yeah. like an internal motivator. But you have your goals, like okay, I want to improve my XYZ conversion rate. But you have all this kind mm-hmm. of not that those are boring, but like they kind of have to happen. But yeah. at the same time, I think we all understand. If that community is terrible, it's going to influence whether I hit my goals mm-hmm. or not, or the market. Yeah. So how do you, how do you advise to someone they want to set their goals, but they maybe they overthink like, well, what if the market changes? I'm going to fail my goals because right. now I have to figure out how to. I just adjust. Maybe it's just part of the process. Like, yeah. don't beat yourself up if you have to adjust six yeah, months, nine months so, down the road. 
Yeah, so absolutely. First thing I would say is that we always recommend you reevaluate your goals every 90 days for that exact reason Perfect. of who knows what's going to happen with the market, right? Life and happens. right, you might set some goals at the beginning of the year and come March, you need to reevaluate that and adjust because, you know, we really practice, you know, smart goals, making sure your goals are specific, measurable, attainable, right? Make sure you're not setting unrealistic goals relevant to your role. You know, make sure you're staying in the, in your lane and things that you're going to improve upon actually affect your role in online sales Mm -hmm. and time-based. So you, you know, you don't want to just be like, I want to improve my goals or I want to improve my lead to appointment conversion. Okay. How specifically are you going to do that? Mm -hmm. And put a time on it so you can reevaluate after 90 days and and things like that. And if you need to adjust, one of the first things that we have our online sales specialists do when they sit down to go through this process is start with skills. So, you know, do a skills assessment. Is there any particular skill that you know yourself that you need to improve? And what I have found even personally, when I sat in the seat is if I wanted to skills go hand in hand with your conversion metrics pretty much because let's say you want to improve your lead to appointment and your or your appointment to sale let's take that for example and you go back and you look at your skills and you're like you know I'm not really good at listening and evaluating my phone calls mm-hmm. okay well that's one way that you can actually improve your appointment to sale that seems kind of weird right But the big thing with appointment to sale is as an online sales specialist, am I qualifying? Am I digging deep? Am I actually setting proper expectations on the front end? Because if you are, your appointment to sale will improve. That's just how it works. So evaluate skills first and then go into how that's going to affect your conversions and be very specific and set a time because you're going to continue to reevaluate those things. Since you just Be- talked about said. metrics too, I have to jump in and because in uh, another Facebook group, someone was asking like, what's a good appointment to sell ratio? And, and you're right. Uh, the more you qualify and, and understand that customer and set them up for success, both the customer and the sales rep, that ratio will go up, but there's still way more to it. You know, just because oh. you have a 50% appointment to sell ratio doesn't mean you're doing the best you can. Mm-hmm. At any portion of it, because your company might just be giving away homes for less than they should be charging. So they could be leaving right. profit on the table. There's that, that could also mean that you're just not advertising enough that basically every, every lead and appointment you get is only the highest quality. Mm-hmm. Yep. A lot of times when we start working with someone who's never done digital advertising before, like the, some of those numbers get worse, but the volume in terms of total sales increases dramatically. Yep. Just everyone has to do a little bit more work uh, yeah, with absolutely. that extra attention. So it's Definitely. tricky things, metrics. Good story and lesson. I'll jump into mine real quick. So our dishwasher has been down for like six to seven weeks. Um, then we had Thanksgiving and whatnot. So I just been putting off repairing it, getting figuring out what the heck is wrong with it. And then the other day, it was like a week ago. I'm like, I'm over washing the dishes by hand. This is done. We have <laughs> we have five people in the house, three, you know, three are little people. So they'll be like, 
eight cereal bowls in a day. That's obnoxious. Like, like what the heck? Um, and so I'm like, oh gosh, I have to call someone and like make an appointment, try to explain what's going on. Like this seems miserable. So I just looked and it was like the second web company I found and they had online scheduling. I'm like, well, I'll give it a shot. Like, I don't feel like calling one right now. It's like 10 AM. I'm going to submit this and like three seconds later. Let's see what happens. Sure enough. I got a text like, Hey, this is da 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 with this company. Just confirming. Here's the details. Is this time good? It was, they were setting the appointment right there via text because they assumed I don't want to talk to them on the phone. Why would they call me? I submitted the form and it was flawless. And then they texted, you know, they're coming at this time. And then the day of, there was like five different communication points just to fix the dishwasher. And then turns out that we have to get a new one. But the whole thing, I'm like, this is, this was perfect. This was great. <laughs> this is great. And it's just for a dishwasher. But the, like the follow-ups, like it was within like 10 minutes, I think after I submitted the form, I got the first like, Hey, just mm-hmm. confirm me. This is detail. This is your zip code. Just want to make sure we could, you know, the, the tech is not being scheduled too far out, whatever, um, from here. Cause 10 miles could be like an hour and a half drive yeah. where we're at with traffic and everything. Let me ask you, Andrew, how did you pay yeah. for this service? Did you pay in advance? Uh, did you pay when they came? How'd you pay for it? Paid when they got here. Um, well, after they, they went over that through text. It's one, it's one, it was, everything was text. I didn't talk to them on the phone which I was comfortable with. Yeah. Um, I'm sure I could have switched to a call, but it was, there was a service fee. Then of course the serve, service fee goes against. Yeah. Any my, my reason cost. for asking was just to I make a joke front, of, though. it doesn't matter. This whole, like you didn't buy that appointment online. Did you? Yeah, that's, that's a joke. I did. But like, it was in person. That's just the transaction. How you paid for it is uninteresting. What yep. you wanted was the help and the certainty and the transparency and authenticity. The you yes. did not desire to prepay with credit card. No, so no, I that did kind not. Of dovetails I just into wanted certainty. To my story time, which may get slightly interrupted, you won't hear it in the edit of the podcast. But I have a repair person here right now uh, working on my fridge that I've had to wait for three weeks to show up. So Ooh, it's important. Uh, even the podcast gets to go on hold when the refrigerator repairman finally arrives. Which we're we're actually renting right now, so it's just proof that the Oakleys are good people. We're like we should just fix everything, even though we don't have to good people. But I think for my story time is I was working on a article for builder magazine. This might be the first official announcement that we have switched over to builder magazine from pro builder uh, with our articles uh, starting in December. And in the period of the, of doing that article, I was hit, it hit me that there's really three phases of the customer journey and everyone, including myself, who's been talking at conferences and training has, I think been using incorrect language. So I, I think there's actually three phases um, to the consumer journey uh, pre-purchase. And we've only been really talking about one of them ever. So we, we would say things, this will ring a bell. The consumer is shopping online for six months to two years before they become a lead or show up in your model home. That word shopping is, I think, incorrect for what they're actually doing. I think this, the three phases quickly are research, shopping, and purchase and transaction. And when we say they were online, they were not shopping for the most part. They were researching. So in the research phase, that, that's where they say, get the hell away from me, salesperson. I don't need you. I just want information. I want to absorb things. An example would be in the research phase, I can get in a generic photo gallery of your homes and say, oh yeah, these are great looking homes. And, and I'm satisfied as a consumer. Or I'm looking at the map. Oh, look, they build in my area. They offer homes in my price point. Cool deal. But they are researching for purposes of exclusion not shopping for purchase. They're not actually shopping yet. They're just researching. They're educating themselves on the market, the builders, the opportunities, existing, new, whatever. But they're researching and they want to be, for the most part, left the hell alone. 
Some people want to research in person, and that's why they end up visiting a model before they're actually ready to shop. And that's mm -hmm. where U-Tour and on-demand access is still going to have um, big opportunities, even in the research phase. But for the most part, builders and their tech stack is pretty good at satisfying what the consumer needs in the research phase. But then when they move into the shopping phase and they're actually looking at detailed comparisons, now if we think about the photo gallery example, now they're saying, this is not helpful to me until you can tell me what floor that is and what countertop that is and which floor plan this picture is from. Because now we're talking about the specifics. And we're, we're, we need those specifics so that we can compare. Everything we do when we shop as consumers is, is by comparison. And you can't compare against 12 builders. So we have to do the research phase first. Then we actually start shopping. And shopping is where we still suck as an industry. And we've made a lot of progress, but this kind of continues my rant against the whole obsession with buy online is suddenly we, we decided to forget the whole shopping thing and just focus on the transaction phase. So now once they want it, how do we let them get it? It's just insanity to me because most of the time when people become a lead today, it's because the shopping functionality of our websites is inadequate. And so that's when people want to become a lead. I need a human being's help. And that's the difference when we all have had that experience where you walk into a retail store. When someone asks you, how can I help you? Or how can I be most helpful if they're really smart? That's a better question. How can I be most helpful to you today, Jen? If you were in the research phase, you say, I'm just looking, get the heck out of here. Leave me alone. And sometimes what's the worst thing that happens when you switch in store from walking in in the research phase to then thinking, ooh, I like this. Like, but actually, now I need some help. <laughs> I do need your help. Let me take that back. Then you can't find anybody to help you. Then you can't uh, yeah. find anyone to help you. But if you walk <laughs> in the store and you are in the active shopping phase and you've already done enough research where you know the help you need, you don't say anymore, I'm just looking. Because you know they might right. not come back. Yep. So then, then the transaction is, how, how do I buy it? What do I do? But that's why I asked you, like, Andrew, you, it was not about, well, I could put in my credit cards so and I feel secure this appointment's going to happen. They provided certainty just by the follow-up they gave mm -hmm. and, and didn't need to worry about how you were going to collect payment. And they did it the old-fashioned way, in person. In person, yep. The so certainty was there. I think our websites and our tools are mostly good for the research phase. I think the shopping phase still needs a ton of help. And the biggest thing is actually probably not technology. It is consumers' willingness to be transparent. Imagine if you went on the Honda website today and I looked at pilot cars and it just said, here's the three trip base trim levels. And I'll tell you that pricing, but all the options and detailed, you're going to have to come into the dealership to shop for that. That wouldn't work. And that is a backwards mentality. And yet most builders are terrified. I only know of one builder that we do work with in the Texas market who their plan is by the end of this year to have a hundred percent of their options with over a hundred different elevations. Thankfully not a hundred floor plans. Cause that's cuckoo. Um, but all options, all everything, all available to the consumer online. Now, I still think there's smarter ways to do it than just put everything out there without some context. But it's not because we're scared of them seeing the price point of the option. It's just there's too much education to even let them know what's happening. So there's going to be some learning to happen there over time. And I don't want to take the whole time of the podcast to go through all the answers, but I just, I think there's three phases and historically we've all talked about that the consumer shopping behavior is just one monolithic thing for, uh, you know, six months to a year. And I, I don't think that's accurate. I agree. I think, and hopefully this isn't a huge attraction. I think why is Amazon successful? 
if we go back, well, now they have everything and Prime is the, I think that's the driver. But before then it was reviews. The only site that had the quantity of reviews. So that research phase was the only website that delivered that promise. Yeah, I, I right? would say, I would say. And then you could transition to shopping immediately. And now well, it's the Well, I think they had all, all the data you needed to research 100%. And the, and the reviews, I think, almost functioned like the sales rep that wasn't there on Amazon. Once mm-hmm. I needed just that certainty, the reviews provided the certainty when I got into the true shopping phase. But I was still, before I was overly concerned about reviews and, and maybe reading specific ones versus just looking at star ratings, I, I, you know, Amazon cornered the market on high def images, huge mm-hmm. amounts of content, videos, everything else that, that you needed to do better yeah. research. I'm in the research phase for a rice cooker of all weird old man things. Right. But then I real I, I just, I'm like, we need to get this. Da-da-da. I'm like, there's a hundred of them. I'm like what in the world? This is ridiculous. I don't want to buy the wrong one. We're going to use it all the time. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm like, this is embarrassing. Yep. And then sure enough, oh, like, yeah, the content on a rice cooker is crazy. Let's go. Oh, I just want to say too, to Kevin's point, I completely agree with him and it just, it's going to make it even more important from an online sales specialist standpoint that they have as much knowledge as possible about their homes, their communities, their lots for sale, their, I mean, everything that they can possibly know, they should know everything. You know, we, we get that a lot. Like how much should I really know in order, in order to do my job? Well, you should know everything, Everything. you know, Almost Are everything. Get, no, everything. Almost. I mean, you should know, you should know as, as much as possible. Are you going to be able to, um, you know, go in and, you know, do blueprints with somebody? <laughs> no, like no. that's, you know, are you going to be able to do, you know, that part of the process, but you should know about your homes, your communities, what you're selling, all the different aspects of that. Because like Kevin, to Kevin's point, the person, the the person looking for a home right now, they're doing all of that research up front. So when they get oh, no. to you, they've already kind of figured out what they want. They've already done the research on your website. So now you have got to know enough to be able to move them forward to the next step, which is shopping and buying and and you know moving through the process. So it can't be like, uh, I don't know. Let me. Let me check on that for you. Or be able to be so fluent and builder speak. You're dealing with these people who've spent hours and hours and hours and hours researching. Yeah. That if you don't have the exact detail or correct answer, they at least are like, oh, well, Jen knows what she's talking about. She's going to get back to me. Like it'll be you know, a day. No worries. Exactly. Because all the confidence that they built while talking to you um, on the phone or not on the phone. Yeah. Sweet. Well, let's move on to the news. Yeah, Jen, you have some things to talk about here. I do. You do. What should we start with? Maybe the Online Sales Academy. There's been a little change with that, which I think is super, super exciting. Yes. So online... (laughs) In person. So listen, (laughs) we, we were getting some feedback that a lot of people were like, hey, you know, we really want to wait until you guys have an Online Sales Academy in person. We really, you know, like the, you know, getting to know 
people, camaraderie, you know, the, the it's a lot of fun group that, yeah, like the, yeah, you attended in person. I, was, right? I attended the last in-person one in 2020. Andrew, you got the last, yeah, Two you got year it anniversary. Right we all showed up and we're like, did you see someone wearing a mask on the plane? And it's like, yeah, there's one person. I thought that's kind of weird. I don't know. This that's was right. February, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Little did we know. Um, yeah. It's awful. Yeah. So Andrew attended the last online sales in person. Yep. So we, um, you know, we said, you know what, let's just, let's just do that. Let's just have our next online sales Academy be in person. Uh, We're still working on the the details of the exact location, but it's going to be in the spring of 2022. Late March or early April. Yep. Late March, early April-ish. So you can kind of, if, if you're interested in that, make sure you go to the landing page and sign up so that you're on our VIP list. So you get all that information when we release it. So yeah, we're really looking forward to that. Awesome. 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 We did not talk about a Facebook Live coming up though. Oh so yeah. December 16th, yeah, which yes. you might hear this episode the day that this is happening, but we should still talk about it. Um, December 16th, Mike and Jen and Jesse on a very special festive DYC live. Yes. Yes. It's going to be, it's going to be an opt-in online people talking live. We are going to talk about, do like a year end wrap and also maybe dispel some myths that are out there that we've in some different things we've learned this last year. So Make sure that you join us for that. It's going to be super fun. We always like to have fun. Yeah. Is, is that the first one live with Jesse? I'm trying to think. Yeah. Yeah. yeah these things I'm remembering. This is great. Oh, look, know, Jesse, all grown so... up. She's allowed to sit at the adult's table now. Exactly. <laughs> the kids' table is fun, though. <laughs> you could spill your food. Man, no Jesse's, Jesse's kicking butt. She's, oh, yeah, she, she is, is awesome. Yeah. She is awesome. I don't have favorite kids, but I might have a favorite online sales coach. Just oh, oh dang. <laughs> That's terrible. I love you. I love you the most, Jen. <laughs> I tell all my kids that too. Uh, uh, so really important. We gotta we gotta talk about this. Updated online sales benchmarks, Q3 2021. Yes. And again, before we get into the details, I am as a as a data person, it's <laughs> extremely important for everyone to understand. This data set could be almost twice as large as it is, but we don't allow people to self-report if we don't have access to the CRM, if we don't know how everything is working. So we can make sure, because again, just one example of like seven different potential things that could really throw this off. I just talked to another builder who would like to work with us, Jen, who's in um, the North Carolina, South Carolina markets, and they still in 2021 give full credit as a sale to anyone who has interacted with an, an, a new home specialist. Yikes. Right? And so mm. in, if nope. imagine if that nope. person was able to submit into this data set, that's exactly what we do not want. These are, these are sales that are created from doing the work the right way. And that's, that's just incredibly important to understand as we talk through this. This is not like manipulated to make anyone or any company look better uh, or, or show off. It's just, this is all these companies who are doing things the same way. Shall we talk about our philosophy around what a, an appointment is and what? <laughs> yeah, a I sale feel like is? we shouldn't have to say that, but yes, you're right. We we should. Yeah. Okay. So, um, an appointment to count for an appointment, it has to be a specific date and time. It has to be documented in the CRM, and the handoff to sales has to have occurred. 
So it, it can't be, yeah, my salesperson is there from 12 to 5, head on out. That does not count as an appointment. For it to count as a sale, obviously from online sales, it has to be a sale from an appointment that has occurred that the online sales then set up. And again, I can't iterate enough, like it has to be documented in CRM, handoff has occurred and a specific date and time has been set. And so like Kevin said, you know, the data here is coming from all uh, builder partners of ours that handle their leads, appointments and sales in the same way. And so we were really, you know, when, when the numbers came out, we were really um, excited to see that, you know, leads to appointments actually went up slightly from quarter two to 33%. Um, appointment to sale dipped a tad from 20 to 18, but the overall online sales uh, percentages is still remaining strong at 54% overall. Contribution rate continues to go up. And, yeah. you know, I just, there's a company that I, I value a lot um, in the data world, Altos Research. And they just released a report last week saying that the amount of inventory nationally could be at record lows again by the end of this year. So even fewer right. available homes for sale going into the spring selling season, January 1st, as there were in Q1 and Q2 of 2021. Yeah. So yeah. wait lists, higher demand than supply, online salespeople being extremely busy and having to council um, emotions. Yeah. doesn't look like it's going away anytime soon. Yeah, for sure. You know, a few other, you know, kind of takeaways that, you know, we, we feel like support these numbers, uh, you know, in the third quarter, more inventory, what became available and that opened up appointments. You know, we had, a, we were seeing appointment caps, sales caps, things like that occurring. And so appoint, uh, appointments being able to be opened up you know, even more. Also, really, you know, the customer, I think in most cases, assumes they've got to talk to somebody first, right, before heading out. And so that that funnel remains strong with the contribution coming from online sales because customers are going through the top of the funnel, right, versus, you know, flooding the the homes with, with walk-in traffic. Yeah, for and a sure. lot of times they, they've, they're continuing to do that because we're not providing them as marketers any security like Andrew talked about. Like, one mm -hmm. email, you're on the list and then no one responds or sends anything else out right. and there is no update for months on end. And so we're not, we're not yeah. doing anything to alleviate that either. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah. the other thing for sure that everybody needs to keep in mind, and, and I'm hearing this a lot lately, right, is everybody's got fatigue. Can, you know, everybody continues to have some fatigues, buyer's fatigue, sales fatigue, online sales fatigue, right? And so online sales specialists are um, having to do a lot more nurturing to your point, Kevin, of um, the pipeline is taking, you know, it's taking a little bit longer. That journey from research to shopping to buying mm -hmm. is a little bit longer, right? And so we're having to, on the online sales side, do a lot more nurturing salespeople too. I think are going to have to do a little bit more nurturing to get people over the fence to buy. Would um, you say so yeah, like normal levels of nurturing to like 2019. Like, so now yeah. it might feel like a lot more like what in the world, this is crazy, but it's like, this was kind of what we just did. Yes, exactly. You're absolutely right. Is that really normal levels of 
you know, outreach, um, you know, more personalization, more um, monthly touch points, um, verifying interest, checking in, you know, things we've been talking about for a little while now, but it's, it's going to take, it's going to take more of that. I, I feel like we're going to continue to see more of that. Definitely. For sure. Fun. Same, same with on the marketing side, like I definitely expect to uh, everyone to have to uh, brush off their slow community skills more frequently mm-hmm. versus like, oh, this is like the extreme problem child community. And I'll be like, oh, kind of trickle up to like, oh, we have to like troubleshoot things quite a bit more to see what is going mm-hmm. on on our end. And of course, any interaction with the online sales team will then go straight back to you. You could change ads, change the website like that. That connection is so important. Um, yeah. Because guess who has the most conversations with our buyers? Online sales. sales. There you go. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> on to the next one. This Yay. one is super, uh, it's super basic, but Google ads brings image extensions to desktop devices. This one essentially is there'll be an image next to the ad. Uh, the example to have here is from fooddelivery.com, which is a fake website and it has pictures of food next to the ad. So we could then have a picture of home. We could have a list of communities, whatever image we want. The name of the game or the goal is just to like get people to click the ads. Uh, when we talk about Google ad strategy, if we're getting more clicks, that's because people like our ads more. If people like our ads, they're happier with Google. If Google has happy users, they maintain market share and then they reward us with lower cost per click because ultimately we make Google more money. And so everybody's happy. So if these, I haven't tested these um, too much. I knew they were in beta a while ago and you, we got to use them. We saw a lift. We didn't see a lift. It was like back and forth on if it was super helpful or not. But yeah, definitely test these once they're rolled out to all their accounts. Google is quite slow when they have like an update like this. This was published December 7th. Today's ninth that we're recording. They say when the update rolls out in a few weeks, that could honestly be like March or it could be February. Yeah, They just like... There's no rhyme or reason. They're super slow with it, which I guess is compared to Facebook. Facebook will just break things and then you're left in the dark. What is happening? So at least Google is a little bit more cautious with rolling the changes. But I was going to say more cautious with. A little more with, cautious, yeah. They've, they haven't made the headlines. So it's, I think they're trying to avoid, avoid upsetting anybody. So yeah, I would look for it in your account. But if it's not there in a few weeks, like no reason to stress. Like it will eventually show up and then definitely try it out. We'll, we'll be looking for it and testing it and report back. If yeah, watch, watch the saying, a picture is worth a thousand mm-hmm. words. Picture's a worth picture's a thousand worth. words. And what's a wrong picture worth or a bad picture? I don't know, but you could, that's, that's uh, the only challenge I see. Is like, what if you pick the wrong <laughs> floor plan elevation house that they don't like? Will they not click your ad? Is there a risk? I don't know. We'll find out. All right, moving on to the next one. I'm actually going to skip ahead here from our show notes to businessinsider.com because this is this is a good palate cleanser. <laughs> it um, is. Better.com CEO accused oh, hundreds Lord. of the 900 people he laid off on Zoom of stealing by working only two hours a day. And that's not the worst Sorry. of it. I, um, I just have to laugh at this. So Whose fault is that if they're only working two hours? I'm jumping straight to conversation. <laughs> like, is that, I don't know, is that the employee's fault? Well, if you're working remotely, I, I, I guess, uh, I mean, yeah, I'm distracting us. No, I don't think it's distracting. I think it's a great point. I mean, are they only working two hours a day because they could get their work done in two hours a day and be done? Are they only working yeah. two hours a day because there's no management or oversight or ability to track work? And so he's just estimating two hours a day. Like, there's I think that's why questions. this is fun to talk yeah. about is it is fun. There's people who are comfortable with their employees working remote. DYC has always been a remote uh, uh, work from home organization. 
and there's people who aren't. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times, Jen, when we're working on hiring an online sales position, that's one of the questions is there's certain yeah. personality types who are fearful of, we can't let this person work remotely or somewhere else because yeah. how will we know if they're doing their job? And we're like, I got to see them. I got to see them to know if they're, they're doing their, their job. I need to physically see them. No, you yes. don't. If you I have the CRM and yeah. you know how to look at the CRM, you know, if they're doing their job. I mean, I, exactly. I'm assisting the company who's building my house. I'm assisting them in a quasi marketing director, uh, VP of sales. I have interacted over the last year once with each of their salesperson people for maybe 10 minutes. I, I know more in some instances about what's going on in each one of their communities than the owner does just by looking at Lasso. That's it. Like it's not, it's not hard to know if people are doing work or not. So I, I yeah. that's where I, I, I was just curious where you're coming from, Andrew, of like, you're assuming that they got their work, their job done and then they were done. Or when you say whose fault is it? Like, yeah, I'm, I'm assuming there's, it's a systemic issue and it's a, uh, to use Reddit language for the young and on Reddit, like everyone sucks. It's not the employee's fault. It's his fault. Whatever his name is CEO's fault. It's middle, upper, lower sideways management employees. fault. It's everyone's fault. If that is the actual case of they're only doing two hours of the eight hours of work they should be doing. It's a systemic thing. Well, can we, Kevin, can we go think. back for just a second and because Andrew jumped and, and gave that comment. <laughs> I did. I, did. I, I just, but I can, can you give a quick little blurb of, of what the article is about? Oh, that's true. Yeah. So, so they have folks who are working remotely in kind of a call center um, like piece. So uh, one of the pieces from the article here is leading up to the layoffs, better reviewed individual employee data, such as number of phone calls, answers, answered, missed and placed as well as client meeting attendance, Fortune reported. Productivity rates helped inform the management team on who to keep and who to let go. So that's where, to me, I, I, I think management is at fault for apparently not paying attention until they got really pissed off and when they started paying attention. But from the data they're talking about, this is definitely people who are in a customer service or a sales role who are mm -hmm. coasting. And the data was yeah. showing that. Now, how they chose to handle it and who they blamed as be like, like to your point, Andrew, if everyone's doing things the wrong way, it's the manager's fault or the leader's fault for not correcting that. Yeah. Or if it's a ongoing for months and months and months thing, like if this was like a, yeah. Hey, that employee hasn't picked up the phone in two weeks. Well, that's enough is, time to let them go. an interesting quote too. If you felt in the past that people weren't looking, well, everyone is looking now. <laughs> Garg, uh, Garg said. So there's some other thing. I mean, th this guy also, the CEO is... Uh, do we use the word bag in 2021? So I think we have to bleep, but, um, bag. I think what, what, what did he thing. say? Like, uh, well, we were talking, talking about this. There's all these creators making fun of him now, which is great. Um, creators, influencers on he Instagram, said, TikTok. He said, you are too bleep slow. You are a bunch of dumb dolphins and dumb dolphins get caught in nets and eaten by sharks. So stop it, stop it, stop it right now. You are embarrassing me. This is an email that he sent to em employees. <laughs> Yeah, and sounds done. like a winner. <laughs> yeah, I'd be done. Yep. True leader yeah. there. Oh, I'd be. So. Yeah. Hey, let me ask, can I ask you guys a question real quick? Just curious. Yeah, I know any our question. philosophy on the online sales side. You know, they can work from anywhere as long as I mean, it's completely transparent, right? What they're doing, what they're not doing, whatever. Yeah. Do you guys have the same philosophy on marketers? Do they have to visit the communities? Do they have to be entrenched in the culture? Do they like? No, we have. We have. 
someone in the marketing team needs to be. Um, So we have several very successful remote marketing directors, marketing managers. In fact, um, two of the five silver winning finalists are both work remotely. Right. Um, Both Beth and Dawn work Mm -hmm. half of a country away from the companies that employ them. Right. Uh, But they have team members and coordinators and assistants who are local. And okay. in Dawn's case, she comes in market on a on a fairly regular basis. I believe Beth also comes in like quarterly. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. right. And they both had experience, prior experience being on site. Right. There, there's the there's the on site or the in the field part of marketing that you've got to be on site for. But mm-hmm. if you're a big enough organization, then the person leading from from the top definitely does not need to be right on, on site. So it's similar like thought behind online sales, right? They can, they can certainly, you know, work remotely. However, they, it's so, it makes a huge difference when me, Jen Barkin as an OSC can say, I was just out at the community and I walked the, you know, Magnolia floor plan. And wow, based on what you're telling me, this is going to, you know, like, yeah, having be, being entrenched in the community with the salespeople, it makes a big difference. Yeah, and team size, I think, has a huge influence. If you're the sole yeah. marketer and you're remote and you've never worked on site, like if, say, a builder's hiring a marketer who's yeah. out of town, who's never worked in, like that would be a challenge, I think. But if you're yeah. number two and then you're helping the person who's actually on site, then I think that person can easily be remote, um, especially if they're taking on the more digital things, like they're running Google Ads, Facebook Ads editing photos, like whatever it may be, that's just, you're at your desk pretty much all week anyways. But I think it's important for them to, to visit quarterly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's nothing that drives me crazier. I think I've told this story a couple of times, but there was a person who worked for me at Heartland and she had already been at the company for, I think three years before I got there. And so two years after I was her boss, she was our designer prior to Jackie Askew's and she was looking at a picture and she's like, Oh, I love the way this thing looks like. And, and I said, yeah, have you, have you, have you seen it in person? It's even cooler. And she was like, I've never been in any Heartland home ever. I was like, Oh my gosh, this is not like, possible. Like we're leaving right now. I did. I said, we're leaving right now this <laughs> afternoon. We're going to go out and visit a, a home. So, I mean, yeah, yeah. marketers have to yeah. be in the field, just like an online salesperson who has no in-person reference point. Yeah. In no history. context. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. So, but don't go work for better.com or this, this wonderful <laughs> it's called a dumb dolphin. No. Yeah. Dumb dolphin. I feel dolphin, like that's yeah. a t-shirt or a meme waiting to happen too. If it, it isn't already. Let's make one. Oh, Sarah on our team was just like, I thought dolphins were smart anyway. Like, aren't they the smartest <laughs> mammal are, in the sea? Pigs are smart mammals too. Aren't they like the fourth smartest? I don't know. They don't get eaten by sharks much though, Andrew. Although there are <laughs> pigs in the Bahamas apparently who swim in the water. They oh, do. That yeah. is true. I want to go to pigs. I want to do that. Yeah. Wild boars. <laughs> you can feed them and they're just hanging out. <laughs> All right. Moving on to our, our last story of the day. Oh, I can't, I, I know I missed this on my story time, but I have to throw this in here. I had my interview with Ivy Zellman yesterday. It was amazing. Oh, she was amazing. It was, it was definitely going to, it's going to be a highlight of my, of my year. Um, but the really fun part was that she really likes pancakes Truly and honestly. So in her book, she talks about how she regularly goes to a local pancake establishment to meet with Hobby Hanna, the head of of Howard Hanna Real Estate. 
And, um, I said, but come on, Ivy, are you like, you're going to really disappoint me if you tell me that you end up ordering egg white omelets at the local pancake house. And she was like, no, I get a stack of pancakes. And I was like, yes, this is so great. Okay. Back to our, back to the news, uh, from the wall street journal, Evergrande and Kaiza have defaulted. Fitch says Fitch is a ratings agency. And this is what everyone's been waiting for. Again, we're recording this on December 9th, so who knows what's going to break between now and then. But this is kind of the first official shoe to drop. I know we talked about this a long time ago about a potential um, implosion of Chinese real estate and ghost towns and all these unsold things. And it is self-fulfilling in that even though they've been able to, for the last couple of months, pay back their creditors um, to avoid going into default, um, the market for houses in China has declined because everyone is just nervous that maybe this isn't the best investment. So these companies, yep. even the ones who weren't originally in trouble are becoming in trouble because you can't pre-sell without fail a 2000 unit condo building like you used to be able to in two days. Um, so this will be interesting to watch and see. Um, there's, there's potentially, I think it was Goldman Sachs or someone like that who might have some exposure to these companies, but we're talking about, you know, billions of dollars that could be lost. uh, They default on 19.2 billion. Yeah. Now, ultimately in a communist company or country, they can decide to come in and kind of make things not so bad. But so far they haven't just, you know, said, here's, here's the check uh, creditors. So it's, it's definitely gonna be something to watch the spillover. If there is any, isn't at all likely to be catastrophic here in the U S but there's always the chance that there's some unknown company who's at high levered rates, given money um, to those organizations and is going to have to sell a whole bunch of other stocks or assets that they have to, to cover their losses. And that can, that can potentially spill over. But again, sneak, sneak preview of coming events. Cause this is the least interesting part of the Ivy Zellman interview to me is she thinks that 2022 is going to be a great year. And as long as mortgage rates stay below um, 4%, uh, 3.75, 4% that things will keep on trucking. And again, we're, we're potentially going into next year with the lowest amount of inventory ever on record. So supply and demand still way off balance. 2024, 2025 yeah. story might change with demographics and land costs. Uh, Cause everyone's buying land right now at, yeah. at crazy, crazy margins, but land is crazy. Yeah. Yep. We have a uh, random story. New neighbor moved in and I was talking to him last night and he's been buying land in the South side of where I live for nothing in his He's buying land for like 10 grand, like five, six years ago, selling it for like 300. Wow. You're like, oh, okay. We have, we have no wow. land down where I'm at. Yeah. So you need to build somewhere, but I'm like, oh my gosh. Well, build for rent and the publics are what's screwing up the land game for the most part. But Ivy and I went into that. So I'll let you guys uh, hear that, that uh, coming up real soon. So uh, exciting. That'll do it for this week for published articles, blog posts, videos, and more. Check out deconvert.com. It's also the best way to find out how to connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, and everywhere else we are online. We'll see you next week. See ya. Bye.